This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to five on three WFUV's NHL podcast. Matt Costantini joined by Chris Hennessy and Jack Caldwell is making his return. Still sounds a little sick, but you know, we're working on it. I'm better. It was a rough two weeks, but I'm feeling better. Well, that's what we like to hear. Uh, got a lot to do today. Uh, three days before the trade deadline, some some of the more massive pieces have already been moved. There's a couple more that could be, should be on the move. Uh, we'll get into that. But uh, I think I think the only right way to start, since it is February 22nd, uh, 30, 39? 39. 39 years ago, anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, the United States men's hockey team defeating the four-time running Olympic gold medal hockey champion, Soviet Union. Uh, they won that game 4-3, to three, as I'm sure everybody is familiar with. There have been numerous movies, documentaries, and all that good stuff on it. Um, yeah, it, easily one of the first things that people think about when it comes to American hockey, and when you really need to put it into perspective... If it was, like, in today's terms, it would be the U.S. World Junior team going up against, like, the 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 uh, Vancouver Canadian team. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's nothing that we can really say that hasn't already been said about how it's the greatest game in the history of not only American hockey, but hockey. It's the reason that USA Hockey is what it is today. It is, you know, the most famous moment in the history of, maybe in the history of American Olympics. Um, I'd give you that. You can make that argument for sure. Uh, there are some others, Michael Phelps being up there, but uh, it's certainly up there. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always a fun, February 22nd. I didn't realize it till a uh, uh, class this morning uh, that it was February 22nd, but uh, yeah, it's always a good day to watch Miracle. So. It's just it's just amazing how it was all college kids on the USA. I mean, they'd been together for not even six months, and you're playing against the top professionals in the world who had played together for 10 years. I mean, that's the thing that always boggled my mind. And then not only that, but then also the fact that uh, Russia pulled Trediak in the second period, the best goalie in the world, one of the best goalies of all time. Yeah. And so not only was the USA completely in sync, but it took a, a, a monumental gaffe by one of the most pristine teams in hockey history for it to all come together. It was a culmination of not only one miracle, there were several different <laughs> miraculous aspects that came together for this giant miracle. Yeah, you know, that's something that doesn't really get talked enough about, I think. Who knows what happens? Do, does the USA win that game if if the goalie doesn't get pulled? And what also really gets lost in translation about, about miracle is that... That wasn't the gold medal game. No. They had to go and win another game against another powerhouse hockey team in the, the Finnish national team, and they had to come back from a 2-1 deficit again, and they, fought, they they it wasn't really much of a game after that. They won 4-2, but that was still a 2-1 third-period comeback, and they won the gold medal. Yeah, there, there's an HBO doc about um, Miracle. It came out a couple years before the movie, um, and they tell some of the same stories that are... Um, portrayed in Miracle, and one of them that they tell that isn't in it is Ruzioni talks about Herb Brooks's pregame speech for the Finland game, and I can't repeat exactly what Ruzioni <laughs> said on the documentary or what Brooks said in the locker room, but 
basically the the idea of it was you won that game, but it's going to be nothing if you don't win this game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the yeah, would have it still would have been one of the best best moments in US Olympic US sport history, but the story would have been so much different had they not won. And most of those guys on the USA team did not have very oh, accomplished no. professional no, careers. No, no. I think five Stanley Cups. Neil, Ken Morrow has four, and uh, Neil Broughton in '95. I think Mark Johnson, who scored in the the first USA goal in the Miracle Game, made an All Star game or two. And I think he was the only one to actually get that sort of recognition. And even he, he had three good seasons with Hartford. He got traded to St. Louis and sort of became an afterthought. So the fact that you had such a close-knit group of guys who had barely been together for that long, and as good as hockey players they were, were really nowhere near the league of the Russians, and their professional careers in comparison would prove it, that it's just so impressive, and it makes you realize how great of a coaching job Herb Brooks did. And not only is today the anniversary of Miracle in the U.S. men's national team, it is also the anniversary of last year's quote-unquote Miracle with the United States women's hockey team winning their first gold medal in 20 years over what had been a dominant Canadian women's team. I'm, I'm, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think they had won the last couple of gold they medals, had won, right? They won every single one between Nagano and Pyeongchang. Well, so they yeah, won that's a long time. 0-2, 0-6, 10, 12, 16. Wow, yeah, that's I, I'd call that dominant, huh? Yeah, and it it was kind of another miraculous game. They went to a shootout, and it was it seemed kind of seemed like an endless shootout. And I remember watching that game. It was wait, no, I screwed up those Olympics. Don't it doesn't matter. Missed, completely screwed. They won every one between ninety eight. Yeah, but those years are wrong. So. Yeah, yeah, oh well, <laughs> they get they get mixed mixed up. Who cares? Uh, I remember waking up at. I don't remember exactly when. It was absurdly early or late, depending on how you want to view it. And I don't think I got a lot of sleep after (laughs) because I was so amped up from from just seeing the the players' reactions and all that. But, yeah, just another wonderful memory for U.S. hockey. Yeah, less of a miracle than the first one, I'd say, just because in all of those Olympics that Canada won the gold, the U.S. had medaled. Mm -hmm. They didn't get silver every time, but they medaled. I think they got silver all but one time. They... That's that's one two. That's like you know the Warriors and LeBron, right? Of uh, women's hockey, and it's always fun when they play. They just played three times. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast uh, before it happened. They played in the rivalry series three times. Uh, the U.S. lost two to one, but uh, three good games, three close games. So always fun when they play. One of the great rivalries in the sport. So and that almost made it more worth it, though, the fact that the whole country saw them lose to Canada in the prior Olympics, and. It, it gave you more of a sense of it being earned. It was like we all saw them lose, we saw them fall, and now everyone was behind their backs, wanted to see them pull it out, and they obviously did. And that that game, that those Olympics, really gave us some some stars to look to in, in women's hockey and mm-hmm. some some role models for for young girls who want to play hockey. I mean, we saw Kendall Coyne Schofield at the NHL All Star Game and how she outran some of the guys and. And got a lot of recognition for that. Uh, I apologize for not knowing her first name, and I'm going to refer to her as Phil Kessel's sister, Amanda. Amanda Kessel, yes, thank you. And she was she was phenomenal in that game. Yeah, she's a good hockey. And, she's a really good player. Yeah, and just all those all those women did a phenomenal job. Yep. So, trade deadline stuff, huh? Let's do it. Uh, like I said in the beginning, we are T minus three days, and well, it's a little less than three days now on some hours and minutes, but. 
Monday afternoon is going to be the NHL trade, dod, de- trade deadline. Excuse me. Uh, earlier this week, we saw Charlie Coyle get sent to Boston in exchange for the main piece was Ryan Donato. Shout out last year's men's hockey team. He was one of the yeah. stars for them. Um, I know you were thinking that Ryan Donato was going to be very important for Boston with David Pasternak out. Yes, I was. And now that they have Charlie Coyle, is that is that an upgrade? Is that better for, sure. for them? For sure. And I think that this is a trade that Boston needed to make because when we when we did the Pasternak injury um, segment last week, we talked about the lack of secondary scoring, and I don't remember his name, the guy who you uh, told, <laughs> told me was on the first line now. His name is now escaping me. Uh, and now Charlie Coyle... I don't know if he'll slide in with uh, Bergeron and Marchand immediately, but he will certainly get minutes with them on the power play and um, what else, whatever else uh, he needs to do while Pasternak is out and then be a really nice addition to their top six once Pasternak comes back. And that's a guy who would have looked nice and orange and blue. <laughs> Boston's probably going to play Toronto in the first round, and then if they get past them, it's going to be the Bolts. So they, they've got a tough first couple of rounds you could argue their first two rounds are the two best teams in the east so they have to load up now and they have to finish the season strong you want to go in with the confidence you want to go in with the momentum they can't be a team that sort of slows down to close the season and then starts up again once the playoffs start when you're going up against toronto and then the prospect of tampa you've got to go in hot this could turn into a larger rant on how much I hate the NHL playoff system, mm. and I know I did this. La- I did it last season, so I'm not going to do it again. But to Jack's point, there's no reason for Boston to have to play Toronto and then Tampa Bay. Should that even happen? One through eight. It's very simple. We don't need to do yeah. this whole seeding reseeding system. Playing I, your division. Vegas. The Vegas storyline was fun, but Nashville Winnipeg should have been the Western Conference. Yeah, finals. absolutely, a thousand percent. There's no reason the NHL does this. We need restructuring last season, and I hope it happens soon. Uh, There's a lockout coming. So we could yeah, about that. yeah. Just, put in the CBA. Yes. We're not, not going to play until you change the playoff system. It's bad for the sport because you're getting matchups, like you said. The, the Nashville matchup last year should have been the Western Conference Finals. It was a great series. I mean, think <laughs> about it. it and <laughs> that's what people want to see. You want to put your best teams on display in the biggest spotlights. You don't want to put them on display in the first round. How many times have we seen Ovechkin versus Crosby in a me- in a second round series? Literally every single a lot of year. Times, yeah, I can't they all blend the together because they just they're the they same feel inconsequential. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't except matter. for the Kuznetsov goal in overtime last yeah. year. Every other goal, just like it's like whatever. <laughs> the the Pittsburgh Washington rivalry has been one of the best ones to watch over the past decade since even more since Crosby and Ovechkin were drafted. That's been very fun to watch, and there's no reason that they have had to play in a second round matchup when they could have easily been the two conference finalists. Every single yeah, year. For sure. No doubt. It's it's just insane. I don't want to go into it more because uh, the biggest trades to happen so far went down early this morning. Uh, Matt Duchesne officially traded from the Ottawa Senators to the Columbus Blue Jackets. A couple first-round picks thrown in there. Vitaly Abramov, a very good prospect going back to Ottawa. Another prospect whose name is Casey right now. Um, we knew this was coming. Ottawa played the Devils last night. They scratched all three of Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone, Ryan Dezingle. So you obviously knew something was happening. You didn't know when it was going to happen. And for Ottawa, the first domino fell. Uh, yeah. And 
Duchesne's a good player. He's going to score a lot of goals for Columbus. And I think the more important part of this trade than him leaving Ottawa is where he lands up. And Columbus, we talk about trading Panarin and maybe trading Bobrovsky to Florida um, a couple of weeks ago when we were in here. But now it's all about they're loading up for the playoffs and are they going to make another move before Monday afternoon to um, to keep that going. And now Panarin, probably not going to get traded, and he says he's not going to resign. But if they make a deep run, will he resign? And that will be a big storyline come July. And that hurts your Islanders. Cause oh, it now, hurts. It, it hurts like hell. Panarin I mean, and Duchesne are off the market now. It was a double whammy. It, I saw that, and I was just, it was a double whammy. And now it's Wayne Simmons and... That's about it. Columbus is going for it, and if they don't go on a legitimately deep run, they're they could look a little foolish because they Definitely. could end up. Oh yeah, they could end. They're two points out of the playoff picture now. I really think they will make it, um, but it's not guaranteed. And then on top of that, there's a very good chance that they could be a first round exit. How many times in the NHL have we seen dominant teams? go down in a tough seven-game first-round series, and then they're without Duchesne, two of their top five prospects, uh, Panarin and very well Bobrovsky. So they could, this could really backfire on them, but they're going for it. And I was doing some research on Columbus because I, all, I feel like we all think of them as this small, tiny market. Nobody wants to play for them. But did you guys realize they're the 14th most populous city in America? There's, it's is a, it? It's, this, it's significantly more populated than Cincinnati or Cleveland. Did not know that. Which I did not know until I looked that up right before. And I almost feel like the, the organization has a chip on their shoulder. They're ready to go for a run. We know their fans are passionate and lunatics, but in a lovable way. And they've kind of been kicked down a lot. And they're known as that that outcast market and they're ready to finally make a, a real run. And you look at Matt Duchesne going to Columbus now. He immediately becomes our second highest point man this season behind Artemi Panarin. He has 58 points. That's three more than Cam Atkinson has at 55. Um, I'm with you. I They are a thousand percent going for it. They view this as their window. Um, like you said, they don't know if Artemi Panarin's just posturing to get more money out of them or if he's serious. He's not going to play for them after this season. And they can't really afford to take that risk, so they might as well just go out and do everything now. And then, if you look at it after the season, they have they have their... Let me, let me backtrack. They traded their first-round picks to Ottawa, and one of them is protected as... If Matt Duchesne resigns with them, then that pick goes to Columbus, excuse me, Ottawa. But if he does not resign with them, they get to keep that pick. Correct. So if you're Columbus right now, it's you might be able to say that they're playing with house money almost because if they make this deep playoff run, awesome, great. You might get Panarin back. You might not. If you don't, you let Panarin walk. You let Duchesne walk. You let Bob you let Bob Ashibok, and then you just blow it up. You still have your first, you have 2020's first round pick, and you just start over. Right. So one of their prospects, you said we kind of agreed was a top top end prospect. One of them wasn't. So that leaves their farm system in decent shape. Also, these three guys who are UFAs that we talked about, Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky, the only three UFAs on the team, a couple RFAs including Rowenski. But those three guys add up for $19.4 million towards their salary cap. So of their $74 million total. So that's a pretty good chunk of their salary cap. 
That's over a quarter of their salary cap. So yeah. uh, tied up in three guys. So if they decide that they're not going to get one and they just say, all right, we're done with all three of you, that's a really, I don't want to say a really good start for a rebuild because then they're going to stink, but it's a really good start for a rebuild. Having a guy, a leader like Cam Atkinson signed up through 2025, having a guy like Boone Jenner who's a good player, Alex Wenberg signed for a long time, Seth Jones has signed through 2022. So they have some guys signed for a long time that could be building blocks for this, be, more to be really a retool than a rebuild. Yeah, to me, what it giving up the prospects doesn't hurt as much as not getting more in return, like selling, if you were not to make a deep playoff run in this trade. Almost reminds me of when the Rangers traded Anthony Duclair for Keith Yandel, and he was a pretty highly touted prospect at the time, and that was very much that turned out. That was very much a you have to go on a deep playoff run this and or next season, or else that was a bust of a trade. They went on deep runs, did not get the cup, they didn't get it done. Uh, Yandel walked; it, it was what it was. But then, obviously, Duclair just never developed and you could very well I would not be shocked to hear that none of these prospects pan out and if Duchesne walks well it's not a big deal but what is a big deal is if they lose Duchesne Bobrovsky and Panarin and have nobody no top prospects back in the pipeline to fill their spots so that's the one thing that they have to be nervous about yeah that. I, I say it's no big deal if all three of them leave, but no, it's going to be a very big deal for them. At, no, they're not going to be good next year if they, all three of them leave. That's yeah, simple, but, but you look at you look at it now. They're outside of a playoff spot. Why not? Why instead of going for it, why not sell off Panera and Bobrovsky when you know you can get top top end prospects for them? Because I feel like when you got Artemi Panarin from Chicago, that was kind of a surprising thing that he was going to leave Chicago, and it was definitely the biggest player to leave in that salary dump that they did after the third cup. You know, Letty left, Tara Vinen, uh, other people, like four people went to Carolina. Panarin <laughs> was definitely the biggest guy to leave. So for Columbus to get that chip, as opposed to a team like the Islanders or the Hurricanes, they should be able to say, you know what, in that time where we had this great player from the Blackhawks who won the cup in 15, we also did very well in the playoffs, which right now they can't say. Yeah. So they want to be able to say, you know what, we made a deep playoff run, which is more than this franchise has ever done. So... Let's be proud of that, and let's move forward with guys like Atkinson and Jones, who are pretty easy to sell tickets with to American kids, to good players. Um, but Panarin was supposed to be the superstar, and if they don't get deep into the playoffs this year, they, I think the Panarin era would be, seem to be a failure in no thanks to Panarin. So, Jack, looking at this from Ottawa's point of view, they make the trade for Matt Duchesne last year in what well, at the time made sense. As we were talking before the show, they were legitimately a goal away from making the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2016-2017, and they thought that they were just one piece away from going back the next year and actually making it to that Cup final. And that made sense. And that, that made a lot of sense, because they were able to have the salary dump from Kyle Turris, they got a bad contract off their roster from a guy who wasn't really performing for them, uh, they gave up a lot to get Duchesne and to get rid of Turris, but... Now you look at it as, do you look at that trade just as an abject failure, or did they get enough back in this trade with Columbus to make it kind of a wash? Well, it just depends upon what these prospects turn into. Are they Anthony Duclair, who can't really skate or handle a puck for his life, and then it doesn't matter at all? Or are these legitimate prospects who can become guys who are playing night in, night out, 
at the NHL level. So it's it's a gamble more than anything, but it's a deal that had to be made. Duchesne wasn't re-signing there. He was not happy there. You had to get rid of him. And to get potentially uh, strong players on your team, that's what you want. So it makes all the sense in the world for Ottawa. As for if initially getting Duchesne, look, that is a failure. It They didn't give up a lot in return for him. But that is a failure. It didn't result to anything. They never won anything with him. Um, but now if you can level some of these prospects out, get something good back for him, you can begin to justify it more. And like I said in the beginning, Ottawa's not done. They still have to move off Ryan Dezingle, who's 20-goal scorer. He'll probably net you a decent return. But the guy that definitely needs to get moved is Mark Stone. And I saw a report earlier that they're looking for four pretty big pieces in return for him, and teams are kind of shying away from that because they don't know if they'll be able to re-sign him or if he's actually worth four important trade assets. The Senators are like the, the Marlins last year. I was yeah. just about to they, relate this to JT Real Muto. Like, how do, you, how do you have John Carlos Stanton and Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna and all these amazing players, and you're still so bad? I was That's just... what the Senators are doing right now. They have so many great players, and they've got to sell them off, and hopefully for their sake they get some someone back. Because there's no reason they should be as bad as they are besides the fact that it's a horribly run organization. I was just about to relate this to JT Realmuto. It's funny you said that because, like, you know, Stanton left for chump change. Yelich yet netted no return. But when JT Realmuto came up for the, uh, to the... Um, to the trading block, they asked for you know the sea in the in the sea in the land. You know they asked for everything, and not to get too baseball-y, but Stanton's contract was very different from Real Muto's. Oh well, obviously, yeah, that that's true. But they did ask for Noah Syndergaard in return. So <laughs> let's be realistic. And then they ended up getting you know a prospect and a player from Philadelphia. So it is Stone going to net the same return that Duchesne does? I don't think so because he's a winger as opposed to a center. But I think Stone's the better player, though, and that'll Stone's that'll a better the, goal scorer. Yeah, Stone has sixty-two points, 28, 28 goals, thirty-four assists. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that he's a bona fide top-line player for sure. And I mean, can he play Barzal's wing? Yeah, he could. <laughs> could could they trade you know Hosang Wallstrom in a first for this guy? Yeah, they could. I. I would love. That's to, a better return than what I than I think what they got for Duchesne. I would love to see that happen because I would love to Hosang's see. Who's the wild card? Oh, for sure, uh, for sure he is. It, um, it wouldn't that's shock. A gamble of all gambles. It would not surprise me if they if they decide to ship out Josh Hosang. No, they're gonna they're going to ship him out. Yeah, it's, it's just how much value does he have? I, don't I mean, even uh, think if he has you, that much value, right if you're now. interested in the Josh Hosang trade market at all, read Arthur Staple from the Athletic this week, where he talked to Josh Hosang, and basically <laughs> what Hosang said was. If they trade me, they trade me. I want to play in the pros. Yeah, uh, so, as he should. He, as he should want to play in the pros. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Josh saying, if by some miracle you're listening to this, just know <laughs> the guys at 5-1-3 are your biggest supporters, and we want to see you Come play. Come down to in the a- basement of Key. We'll have you anytime. <laughs> we want to see you play professional hockey for more than a game at a time. Okay, so, like I said, Duchesne... So far, the biggest piece, and was probably going to be the biggest piece to get moved by the deadline, Mark Stone still has to get moved. That'll be the second biggest piece, and probably the rest of the moves will be some minor acquisitions to bolster, I don't know, a top nine or a top six defense, something like that. In terms of 
either guys that could get traded, should get traded, teams that should be making moves to go for it, teams that should be selling to go into rebuild mode. What do we think? What needs to be done by Monday? I'll start. Um, the That's Island- not the Islanders. Okay, Ooh. well, the Islanders need to buy, but an interesting player that got re-signed to a long-term contract is Jakob Silverberg from the yeah, Ducks. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that either. I was hearing rumors that he might get traded. I'm going to pull it up on Cat Friendly right now. It was a five-year contract. That's an interesting decision from uh, Anaheim, certainly because uh, they are definitely candidates to... They're bad and cap-strapped, and they just made it worse. Bad and cap-strapped and just made... Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Actually, <laughs> right? uh, they... So, Jakob Silverberg, no longer a UFA. The only other UFAs they have on forward are Brian Gibbons and Derek Grant. I'm pretty sure Gibbons just hit waivers, too. It's possible. He was only making $1 million, yeah. so he's 30 years old. Probably not going to get traded. Uh, Michael Delzato, also a free agent after this year. Just, so they just, really just a question. Have, did did you give anything. the did you give the numbers on Silverberg? On no numbers on Silverberg on here yet, but it was five years, I believe. Well, for a five-year contract for a guy that has 24 points in 51 games, you might think that you might just want to let him walk. Yeah, that's true. Or tra- or trade him. That, that they should have traded. Them. That makes I mean, that makes very little sense to me. At, at, I at, I like I was hearing like Silverberg, like not actual rumors, but like people were like, "Oh, who could the Islanders target?" And Silverberg was one of them. I could have seen that. Like that was a player that was talked about for teams who need forwards was Silverberg, and now he's just signed for a long time, and that doesn't really make any sense. But do you think the Islanders will actually go out and get a sniper like? Like do I actually think the Islanders would do something that make me happy? No, of course not. Okay, so <laughs> I said no Islanders, but I th- but they're the most interesting to be talking about in the Metro right now. That's at least in our area. Now that Duchesne's off the board and Panarin's off the board, do you think the Islanders will actually be buyers, or are they going to stand pat, or are they going to sell? They're not going to sell. I don't think they're going to sell. Even I though don't. we even though we were talking before the show that they're kind of coming back down to earth and They've not been, really being the best th- team in the NHL. I think if anything, they make like one or two really small or really safe moves and otherwise stand pat. I think there is no chance that they sell. I don't I think Brock Nelson, Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle will all be Islanders after Monday. Um that's for sure, but they I want them to buy so <laughs> Like just do it. Just, I I have no reason to believe that next year is going to yield another 35 plus one season. I have no reason to believe that Valtteri Filippo is the set, the you know three C of the future. I have no reason to believe that Robin Leonard is the goalie of the future. And right now they're playing well, so like, why wouldn't you do it? You got yeah. Barzal. Yeah, well, I know they have Barzal, and I know like trade Barzal. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Avoid the next John Tavares. Just, just Avoid, let it happen. Yeah, just now. let it happen. Just get it over with now. <laughs> just while well, everybody's down, the Dubs just do it now. Um, <laughs> no, but definitely not. Um, and I know that there's some players in Bridgeport who um, who are good. Otto Koivula is supposed to be a good player. Obviously, we know about Jose and Wallstrom's up in BC. He's been doing better, but they should do it now. I I I I would I would let I would be fine with Wallstrom having a Hall of Fame career if they traded him right now, and that meant a deep playoff run. How about how about the Rangers? Yeah, I was and just about to ask you, Jackie. Kreider's getting some talk from the Maple Leafs. Your team, my team. They're obviously potential sellers, and they probably should have done it by now if they were going to at all. I mean, Devils and Rangers sitting at seventh and eighth in the Metro. I think Zook is gone. I mean, they gave him an innovation yeah. at the Garden last night as if it was his last home oh, game. It should have been. They they probably should have traded Zook a couple weeks ago, if yeah. that. Whereas, yeah. and 
I don't know. Who else on the Rangers is going to get moved? You were talking about Kreider, possibly to the Leafs, which would be insane. The Ooh. Leafs are apparently checking in on Kreider. But no way. The Leafs, <laughs> there's no way they're trading for another forward. The Leaf, Leafs there's fans. There's no way. They Leafs need defensive help like, so bad. <laughs> Leafs fans sound like some Yankees fans who are like, let's go get these three all-stars and trade them Jacoby Ellsbury. And you know what? They'll take it. Like that's what I'm insulted by Maple Leafs Twitter when I read who they want to give up for Chris Kreider. That... I don't know what – you're right. They really need defensive help, so I don't understand why the Leafs are checking in on him. But they are talking with the Rangers about Kreider, and Leafs Twitter's blowing up, and I just really hope the Rangers put a high value on him because those Zach, fans are driving me crazy. Zach Hyman for Chris Kreider straight up. Straight up? I don't, <laughs> straight I, up. I doubt it. Well, I mean, Cat Friendly <laughs> might prove me wrong, but I doubt that that would be a uh, viable trade for the Rangers. But, no, I think that Zook and Hayes are – Gone for sure. I think Zook is 100% gone. I think Hayes is most likely gone as well because there apparently have not been very good extension or re-sign talks um, between him and the Rangers. So if you're they, not going to re-sign them, having you get those They shouldn't even having them right now. I think that they should get what they can for their guys. And apparently that's how organizations are run. This is something that was unknown to me, that when your guys are on contract years and you're not having a good year, you trade them away. That was something I was unaware of. But in all seriousness, no, Zook, Hayes, I think, are both definitely gone. I think that I was going to say Columbus for Zuccarello originally because I know know that Tortorella and Zook got along better than Kreider and Zook, but not now. So uh, it will certainly be interesting to see where. Um, What about St. Louis? I was thinking St. Louis is interesting because they were definitely uh, pegged as sellers a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, not not anymore. They're a fringe playoff team. They're not even a fringe playoff team. They're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. So, like, it's certainly possible that uh, St. Louis is a team. It's certainly possible that Chicago is a team. They have a lot of... um, they have a lot of prospects, and they are on a I run right now. I just don't know if they want to buy. I don't. They shouldn't buy. I don't think point. they should they buy should either. Buy. But if they like Jeremy Colleton as a coach, they don't know how long Taze and Kane are going to be around for. You never know. Uh, Chicago, they've done weirder things. Stan Bowman may be GMing for his job right now. So yeah, I just don't uh, know, know if they have the same desperation coming off three cups as St. Louis, who are That's what true. like zero and twelve in the Stanley Cup and haven't been there since. Uh, haven't been there since 1970, so... That's true, that's true. <laughs> and then, in terms of the Devils, they, they're they in a difficult spot because they don't have a lot of pieces that they can move out. The, they got three. They got yeah. Mojo, Stafford, and Kincaid. I would also throw Ben Lovejoy in there. Okay. Um, I saw on Twitter, uh, Devils Daily on Twitter, was saying that there have been no, no talks about an extension with Mojo, uh, Marcus Johansson. So I think that he will net you a pretty good piece. Probably not anywhere close to the kind of deal that you got out of Duchesne, but you might be able to get a, a system's top five prospect and then a second, third round pick. I heard rumors of him going back down to D.C. Is that still gaining traction? I don't know, because they just made that move for Haglin. Oh, it's true. Oh, we forgot about Haglin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Haglin got moved. We forgot about Carl Haglin. Carl Haglin got traded again. He's on his 18th Metropolitan Division team. <laughs> is it the New York Islanders? Yeah, it's so weird. Carl Haglin gets, has gotten moved from a Metro team to a California team to a Metro team, back to a California team, and now he is back to a Metro team. Uh, next couple of years, he's going to wind up playing for the Devils and the Islanders at some point. <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, Marcus Johansson, if you're not going to resign him, he has to go. I like him a lot. I think he'd be a good piece for the future, but 
you don't know what you're going to be getting out of this Devils team the next three, four years, so you might as well get rid of him now and get what you can. Um, I don't even know if you can trade Keith Kincaid anymore because his value has just tanked over the last two months. I would, I mean, he's a serviceable backup, but you're not going to get anything of substance for a backup goalie, especially for teams that already have established backup goalies, and you're not going to need them for a playoff. Run. Nobody, nobody's you, dying for a backup. Yeah, goalie. exactly. You might get a mid-level draft pick out of somebody though, which yeah. is more than nothing. And I would argue that some teams are looking for a serviceable backup goalie because look at those two cup runs for Pittsburgh, and look at last year yeah. with last year with Washington. Even Grubauer played a couple games, so um, a backup goalie certainly can help you in the playoffs if worst comes to worst. And to be fair to Keith Kincaid, he he has shown flashes of being a quality goaltender, but. When it comes down to it, he is a backup goaltender. For sure. And then you're talking about Drew Stafford. You could probably get anywhere from a a fourth to a seventh for him. And then Ben Lovejoy, he's a top six defender. You might be able to slot him into a top four somewhere. Hello, Toronto. You could definitely use a Ben Lovejoy. So you could probably fleece them a little bit. But they're not in a great spot with trade assets right now. No, they're not, and I don't think Toronto is either, honestly, because are they just going to give up everything to go for this year? Are they just going to like trade for a whole bunch of old defensemen to try to just piece together a, an already crappy decor to to keep going and this for just this season, and you don't know how long those guys are going to last? And I don't know. It, it's an interesting situation in Toronto that obviously I hope dies in a flaming, burning <laughs> just hit. But, you know, I, I hope it fails miserably, but... I, tying up $22 million in two players who both play forward is certainly yeah. interesting. But, yeah, I think that they should definitely target a defenseman, and if Ben Lovejoy is one of them, I think he would be on the older end of who yeah. they would go after. Definitely. All right, so as we're wrapping up here, I know we're running out of time. Give me either a, a player that gets moved or a team that makes a move, and it's kind of just out of nowhere. Like you wouldn't expect that team or that player to get traded. Colorado because their offense has faltered recently and Varmolov has been uh, hot garbage as they like to say. So they're going to I think they're going to try to put Grubauer in the net, do something. I can see that. Do just shake something up uh in the back uh with Varmolov and they're going to try to trade for a forward. I wouldn't be shocked if one of the Rangers guys went there. I wouldn't be shocked if Johansson went there. Um it's that's a certain that's a situation out there where they're at the top of the league in November and now they're out of the playoffs, uh, only a couple points above, um, a couple points above the Arizona Coyotes. So that is a situation where I do think that they will make a move for a forward specifically before the deadline. I'm going to say Kreider to the Leafs. I'm not sure it's definitely happening, but I think they're the only team that could offer the Rangers the kind of package to make it happen because I don't think they want to trade him. If I'm being honest, he has another year left and you're going to want to get rid of Zook and Hayes and then you, you have no one and you want his leadership. Everyone says he's basically been a de facto captain. He has immense playoff experience and I really like him as a guy to mentor more of the younger players. So the only team that I could see being desperate and I don't know, the Leafs should be desperate, not necessarily for a scorer, though, but Kreider is the kind of playmaker that could help any team, and I think if there's one team that's going to be pressed against the wall and 
give the Rangers an offer they can't refuse, it would be the Leafs. Yeah, I was thinking about kind of going with Pittsburgh because they've been flying under the radar all season. They haven't really been having the year everyone expects them that they have year after year. So maybe they could pull off one of those kind of sneaky, quiet trades like they did before Broussard last year, which turned into a great pickup for them. Or like they did with Carl Ivan. Exactly. Uh, or even, to a lesser extent, the Jamie Alexiak trade, mm-hmm. who they then basically just gave back to Dallas with the same exact deal that they made the year before. Um, but then I was looking at Calgary, and I'm looking at them sitting atop the Pacific. They're a point ahead of San Jose. I think that... You know, one of those Rangers guys might fit well over there. A guy, interesting. A guy like Zuccarello, a guy like Kreider, maybe Hayes. Get some playoff experience. Exactly. There. I like that. Get some playoff experience on a very, very young team and get some top six help. And those the, those are the kind of guys that could help anyone. Yeah, they really like, can. They can fit anywhere. They're Kreider, Hayes, Zuccarello are all well-rounded playmakers. They play both ends very well. They're team guys with lots of playoff experience. There's almost any team that you could insert them into a top six and they'd work. I, I like that a lot, actually. Um, a Rangers guy to Calgary. Um yeah, I, I think that the Western Conference is going to be really interesting come to trade deadline just because of how close everybody is to the to the playoff line. Even Anaheim, who we talked about being terrible, is close to the playoff line right now. So Western Conference will certainly be interesting. Yeah, Western Conference is definitely going to be crazy. Um, I think we're going to be having a show Monday, a trade deadline special for 5 on 3 All right, I'm good. Yeah, um, I, I want to have Jack Hallwell back on. I want to have Jackson Hyle back on because I want to have a moratorium for the Rangers <laughs> Cup, cup oh, yeah. window for yeah. and Henrik Lundqvist's Cup window. That'll be fun for me. I know that. We already I'll... had a mini one, the 94 <laughs> ceremony, seeing Lundqvist on the bench staring down Brian Leach and Mike Richter and knowing that he will never be able to be amongst <laughs> them. That was one of the most depressing things I've ever seen. Yeah, so so definitely tune in, tune in Monday uh, for the... Trade deadline special for 5 on 3 for Jack Caldwell, Chris Hennessy, Matt Costantini. Come back soon.